You know, at first blush, these passages that we've heard drive us toward one particular question. Will God provide for us? Will he provide for his people? The Israelites in the wilderness ask this question. Can God provide food in the wilderness? Can he take care of us in a really desperate situation? And funny enough, the gospel passage, which, by the way, is about a thousand years later, a thousand years plus, it presents us with another group of Israelites in a different wilderness, <laughs> a different desolate place. And Jesus, incarnate Lord, has been teaching and healing people all day when the disciples come to tell him, Jesus, it's getting late and you better send people back to civilization to find food. In other words, can God provide food in the wilderness? And Jesus asks them, you give them, or tells them, you give them something to eat, to which the disciples say, we don't have it. <laughs> Again, the question is arising here, can God provide in a desolate situation? Can God provide food in the wilderness? Now in this scene, Jesus becomes the good shepherd of Psalm 23. I hope you hear the resonances between the gospel passage and Psalm 23. Jesus tells the crowds to lie down in the green grass, the green pastures, beside the quiet waters of the Galilee, Sea of Galilee, where he then goes on to prepare a table before them. He takes the measly five loaves and two fish of the disciples and he presents a feast with plenty to spare. Um, by the way, they're also in the presence of enemies because Herod the king has just beheaded John the Baptist. So, The Apostle Paul reposes this rhetorical question in Romans 8. And I think it's rhetorical because if you're willing to test God in this matter, it will become so obvious in your life. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? What do you think all things means? Surely it can't mean all things, right? Sorry, it's a little bit of sarcasm. You're supposed to chuckle a bit. Come on, we're warming up. If you're wondering whether God can provide for you or will provide for you, no matter how desperate your situation is, I don't, I, I don't know all the situations that your life entails, but I'm sure there are places that feel a bit like a wilderness and you wonder, can God provide in this place? Well, the answer to that question is full stop, yes. The Lord can provide for you in the wilderness. It doesn't matter how desolate the place is that you are in in your life. Whether it is a material thing that you need, whether it's an emotional thing, whether it's a spiritual thing, however you tease all of that out, whatever it is you need and whatever it is your wilderness looks like, God can absolutely provide for you in that wilderness. And not only He can, He will. He will. And I hope you're willing to receive that. But... There's another question in these passages that turns less on God and more on us. Those Israelites who ask God, ask if God can provide food in the wilderness, 
they've already seen God do some pretty crazy stuff, right? Divide the waters of a sea. Crack open rocks so that water gushes out of them. The framing of their question after they've seen all that, can God provide food in the wilderness? Look, I know I have my versions of this, but frankly, it sounds a little bit silly. Can God provide food in the wilderness after you've seen all that stuff? Well, I I think he can, right? I think he can. And the same is true for the disciples. They've just witnessed Jesus teach and miraculously heal people, but now they're worried the crowds are going to go hungry somehow. There's something odd about that, isn't there? There's some disconnect. Either they think there's something God can't do, or maybe worse, they think there's something God won't do. Jesus shows them that he absolutely will. Not only can he, but he will. He clearly wants them to become the kind of people who trust him to provide in all things. And when he says all things, he means all things. The questions that these passages ask is not just will God provide, it's also this question to you and me, will we become the kind of people who are willing to trust that he will provide? Will we become the kind of people who will take that step of faith in whatever wilderness we're in to give him however few or many loaves and fish we have and trust that he will somehow make more of them and he will pull off the job? There's this thing that happens to every person of faith. No matter how mature we are, how much we've seen God act in the past, You see God do things, but every time a new situation arises, your faith is tested in a new way. And it's as if every time you have to choose to relearn a bit what it means to trust. To trust that in Christ, God promises to freely give us all things. That he really means it. So I want to ask you, why do you think that we suffer from this sort of what I'm going to call a spiritual amnesia? The trust that what God's done in the past, he can do in every new situation that we encounter. Why do you think we wrestle with that? Well, I mean, one is because we're fallen humans, right? We're broken. But there's another thing at play. Ever since the fall... So almost forever, (laughs) we've had this natural reflex to relegate God to spiritual things, things like the soul and life after death, while we feel like it's our job to take care of material things on our own. Things like money, food, clothing, entertainment, (laughs) all these other dimensions of life. Hear me out for a minute. I want you to notice that the things that people are worried about in these scriptural scenarios all revolve around material things. Food. Right? And the chasm between spiritual things and material things in our day has only widened. Let me give an example of this. 
um, health. Okay, Jesus is healing people, right? Which you would take in a way to be about material things. That's about our bodies taking care of us. But here's, here's the interesting thing. I find this so fun to think about. Health in the ancient world was actually a spiritual category because people knew so little about it. People didn't understand how our bodies worked. It was such a mystery that people counted on spiritual things in a way to take care of their bodies. If there was something wrong with them, they didn't need just medicine. They needed healing. But I think all of us would say in the modern medical era, health has become more and more our domain, right? This is a fascinating thing to consider. It's wonderful that the medical world has advanced to the level that it has. Aren't all of us grateful for anesthesia, right? That's only been around for a little while in the scope of history. We're all grateful for it. But I think we would also say that the medicalization of the world is both a blessing and a curse. And I think that you're actually seeing that people are becoming worn out by the medicalization of the world in that many people are beginning to integrate spiritual things into their medical treatments. We, we got an email while we were away from a woman that we've seen for uh, massages, and she's in, integrating tarot card readings into massages. Now, please don't do that. But... <laughs> Please don't do that. Don't, please don't. And, and you don't have to get that if you go. Just fair respect to her. Um, but the point is, we're realizing that us taking care of everything in that domain isn't quite working. We may have all kinds of medicines to take care of mental health, but the mental health area of our world is not being healed. There's still a lot of problems in that area of our world, Right? Now, the takeaway that I want you to hear in all this is that the more and more that we know about things, the less we think it has to do with God, usually. Like, this is just a practical thing. The more and more we think we know about an area, the less we think it has to do with God. Ironically, um, and I know this isn't always the case, but often it is, the more money we have, the less we think it has to do with God. And, and I know that's not the case for everybody, but this is a crazy thing in our lives that we've noticed. You know, when we got married, we didn't even have like an emergency fund or something like that. Like you're just living day to day, right? And then gradually we build up this little savings to like deal with emergencies. And then it gets to the point that every time you touch that emergency fund, you're like, oh no, how could we live? And it becomes harder and harder to trust that our daily dependence is just on God. That he provides everything. Again, this separation between material and spiritual things is getting wider and wider. Now, this is a little bit silly, but there's a point to it. There was this song in the 80s. It's the favorite song of a lot of the guys here. It was called Material Girl in a Material World. <laughs> Come on. How many of you have been listening to Madonna lately? I listened to Madonna a lot during sabbatical. I thought that's what you wanted me to do with my time. No, I'm absolutely kidding. I did not listen to a bit of Madonna. But I want you to hear what that song is communicating is important. What she's not saying, well, she's saying it implicitly, is there's no spiritual world. This is a material world, and I take care of myself. God does not play in the picture. He doesn't take care of material things. I do. 
It is no accident that Jesus, the prayer that Jesus gave us starts with our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is trying to heal the chasm that we are constantly creating between our spiritual lives and our material lives. To trust that God wants to provide for us, not just spiritually, but in everything. He's trying to heal the disconnect. But we tend to get the priority all out of whack. Listen to the verse again from Romans 8. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Which comes first, the material things or the spiritual things? The spiritual things. He gives him us himself, and then he gives us all things with himself. Now, of course, this isn't an immediate promise that all our dreams are going to be fulfilled and all our material desires are going to be satisfied. That's not what it is. But God will provide for us. And the question, again, is will we become the kind of people who will trust him for everything? Now, I'm going to close by just sharing in detail what happens in this gospel story. Jesus is showing us in the gospel what it looks like to entrust our material things, all things, to him. He tells the disciples, you feed the people. They say, we can't. Listen, the things that Jesus wants of your life are always greater than what you have. They just are. The things that he wants for you, the ways he wants you to serve him, they're always greater than what you can give. But what does Jesus do? He says, give me what you have. And then Jesus looks up to heaven and says a blessing. He breaks the loaves, hands them to the disciples to distribute. And the loaves multiply literally in their hands as they're giving the things out. And the passage is careful to tell us that everyone ate and everyone was completely satisfied. They all had enough to eat. And then the disciples pick up 12 baskets of leftovers. So Jesus is obviously wanting the disciples to learn a personal lesson in all of this. That he's calling them to do more than they can do on their own, and he will always provide for him. The church has always uh, read this to say that the disciples are the apostles, right? And the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And so the church has read this to say that God will always give his ministers what they need to feed his people. But to extrapolate from there, it means he will also give you as a disciple, lay people alike, everyone what they need to do the ministry he's called you to do. Now I want to ask you, a couple of questions to close that might help you think about this in your life. One question, I'm going to go Anglican on you for a minute, okay? You ready for this? What do you believe about this meal that we share together? Do you believe it's just this kind of, I don't know, this symbol thing (laughs) that sort of points to Jesus but doesn't really do anything? See, here's why I'm asking. Jesus lifts up bread into heaven. He blesses it and breaks it and hands it out. What does that sound like? Come on, this is easy. It sounds like Eucharist, doesn't it? And that's exactly what Jesus is communicating. 
It's a picture of the Eucharist, of the way that Jesus promises to feed us with himself in this meal. And from the very beginning, the church has believed that Jesus is mysteriously present with us in this meal to bless us with himself. But it's also a risky meal. Because if we're not seeking to walk with Jesus in repentance and in faith in him, it's also a meal that can harm us. He's really here. Now, listen, please don't get into all the mind games about is Jesus's like body literally there? Don't do that. Okay, stop thinking about that. The church has always said he is mysteriously here. Do you believe that when you come up here and put your hands out that Jesus literally wants to bless you with himself? And whatever wilderness you're in, he wants to fill you with his presence and help you and show you his love for you. So that's one question. I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. When you come here, come prepared to receive a blessing from the Lord. Humble yourself. Put your hands out because none of us can take Jesus. We can only receive him and receive from him. And then the second question. Are you giving him fish and loaves of your life? I don't know what that looks like for you. Look, all of us are living in different you know, lives. We need to live in community and encouragement for one another in the different ways that each of us are called to offer up the fish and loaves of our life. But often that is going to be some kind of material thing that God would call you to entrust to him and that he can do more with it than you can. Are you doing that? I hope you are. The question again is not merely will God provide for us. I know that it's hard to believe that in some experiences of life. But I hope that you will hear this morning, wherever you are, God will absolutely provide for you. But the other question is, are you, am I, becoming the kind of person who will give Jesus what we have and trust that he will make more of it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.